I'm looking back at what you've made of yourself. It's the light that reaches it and takes And then uh, from there, I headed back home. I walked around Denver for a while. Nice place. Again, COVID weird like everywhere else. Sort of ghost townish. Some boarded up things. And then uh, the next day, I decided to drive to Rocky Mountain State Park. Some things were open, some things were closed, some things were closed for COVID, other things are closed, there's all these fires going on. So I drive there, and as I'm driving there, some flurries of snow start to come down. I'm like, whatever. It, it was a, at least an hour away, maybe an hour and a half. As I get to the entrance to Rocky Mountain State Park, it's the snow's coming down decently, it's somewhat sticking. I say to the person going inside, I'm like, how's it going? Like, yeah. I said, cool. She goes, yeah, you know, park closes at six. Be careful. I said, all right, you know, how the road? She goes, well, you know, a couple people have slid off, so be careful. I'm like, what? <laughs> but so in my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go as far as I can. I started cruising up the mountain. The higher I get, as would be expected, the more the snow is now sticking. So every once in a while, I'll do a brake check, see if the tires hold. It was working for a couple tries, then at one point I pressed and I slid a little bit and I knew it was time to turn around, which I did. And so I was bummed out, right? You know, it's kind of the point of being there. I was got this freaking mountain, there I was. And I will tell you this, guys, I, it's karma, I'm blessed. Uh, a lot of things going on in the universe here. But after I had to turn around in despair, 10 minutes later, I'm driving down, I look over to my right, and I spot elks. So I pull over, there's no one else around. And like freaking David Attenborough creeping through the woods, and I see the elk, there's probably like 10 of them, and they're, uh, I don't know, every once in a while, a couple of them pair off, tangle up their antlers, and the wood goes clickety-clack, clickety-clack. And I watched this go on for like 15 minutes, and as I actually texted you guys, and said, like, it was, it was almost like brothers playing, or brother and a sister playing, or something that obviously is preparing them for a future situation, uh, should they be ready to uh, defend themselves. But at the same time, they weren't hurting each other. It was, just, it was just good, clean elk fun. Oh, and I, so I'm coming out of there, and as I get to the base of the mountain, the snow is not as bad. Roads are manageable. And I go to make the right to get on the main road to get out. As I'm driving, there's a guy like parked in the lane. So I slow up to him, and I was like, he's out of his car. And I'm like, what's up? He's like, hey, uh, a truck just jackknifed uh, about a mile up here. So, you know, don't go this way. And he actually went into a car just like yours. I was like, what? So I had to kind of turn around. And when you get into these mountain situations, mountains, I come to realize are game changes. The, the weather changes by 30, 40 degrees. Your ears pop 10 times. And then there's usually one way in and one way out. And in this situation, there was another way out, but it took me longer, and so had to kind of take a different path. But I ended up getting back, and oh, hold on, yeah, I forgot. I got a Red Bull about 
half hour ago. Never opened it. I eventually got back and I was just like, whew. I felt a little tense. It was a little too much windy and snowy roads for me. But nonetheless, I got through it. And during my time or leading up to Denver, I was in contact with a few friends and I reached out to each of them and I talked to one. But we hadn't been able to connect to actually really connect. And then when it rains or pours, so this two people, uh, Lauren and Bren, I know Lauren from New York City, and I know her through her friend, Courtney, who I know from MTV, and she was the one of the people that let me in, or got me into TRL because I had met her through another friend. So they're, you know, they have a nice townhouse, and so I went over there, hung out for like an hour. The guy actually makes his own beer, shared a couple of those, made small talk. She's seven months pregnant. It was just, actually for me, it warmed my heart to see two people really in love and even in this craziness are able to uh, not only thrive, but you know, building for the future. And then I met a client of mine for an hour. We had coffee. She works for Conference Direct, which is kind of like an intermediary uh, that works on behalf of clients to the hotels and talk about being devastated. Everything that she had, every convention around the country has been canceled through May of 2021. So that was not uh, such a happy thing to hear. Oh, wow. You still on? <laughs> so I, I'm driving and out of nowhere, this cop from the left side swings like a U-turn onto my highway side. I'm doing like 80. So I slow down, not enough to skid. And I'm thinking, is he now pulling me over? But like I haven't even passed him and he's pre, he's ahead of me. And then there was a car in front of me and that car pulled over and then he pulled him. Oh my God, that was so weird. And my heart is racing. Okay, uh, this is going on, I apologize. That was crazy. <laughs> my, my MTV moments. Don't know if you guys really hear the, heard the backstory on how this came to be, but 2008 and I had, um, I had just come back to the marquee on the east side uh, the year before. And so as I mentioned earlier, I had been given the opportunity to, yes, for lack of a better word, perform on Broadway. <laughs> but... At the end of the day, I was emceeing at the Mary Marquis talent show and other VIP meetings. But I swear, it, it, it was a thrill to get up and, and, and to do those things. And we have an awesome audiovisual team at the hotel. And I don't know, they just, they make it easy. So around this time, it was announced that TRL, which had by this time run its course, and they had decided that they were going to end after 10 years. By that time, my buddy Carson had been long gone, but he went on to bigger and better things. Yeah, real love, Carson. Real love, brother. <laughs> just, just to kind of paint a picture during like those 10 years, and I'm sure I got this wrong, but in my mind, it was like Monday through Friday, every afternoon, there would be throngs of kids waiting online to get into TRL, and then for those that couldn't get in, they would stand outside below the studio. And on any given day, you could tell the status of like whoever was performing there. 
<laughs> based on the size of the crowd outside. And they would anxiously await for someone, preferably whoever was performing, to, to come to the window and wave down to them. And this was the moment. And I don't know, it was just, it was funny. And it was kind of like Groundhog's Day uh, to see the same thing go on. And then I will say, a very small percentage of the bands they had on were music I felt, but the majority of the music really was not my style at the time, nor later on. But one day I hear from someone that TRL is going to have this grand finale show live in the studio. At this time, if you can picture, the election had just ended and Obama had historically won and defeated McCain. I think uh, so. George W. would have been the uh, the lame duck at the time, having served actually two terms, right? My mind began racing. I thought, could I ever take my MC Marquee persona to the... Uh, <laughs> to the crossroads of the world and be like Ryan Seacrest out there and talk to people and experience. So from there, I, um, I you know, I kind of made my mind up. I am going to try and do something. Yeah, you guys remember Claire, you know, her husband, Perry, uh, who's this amazing video guy and not to mention an awesome person who's done very well in this world. I actually, I, I got with him. I made my pitch uh, about what I had hoped to do and wondered if he'd be available the night of the uh, TRL finale. And he was like, I'm available and let's do it. When we connected and decided this, the, the finale was maybe like five days away. I got permission to film a little uh, off the rooftop. I, I went out, I met with the naked cowboy in hopes of uh, sort of a, a soliciting from him for like a cameo. And when I spoke to him, he confirmed that he would be uh, he would be out the night of the finale doing his thing. Anyway, I uh, I actually I solicited the services of two other women that I worked with to sort of help the night because I had no idea how it was going to go, and they agreed. And so, <laughs> who am I really? Who am I? But. That night, we met up after my real work, and Perry and I discussed our plan. Quite honestly, it was just to kind of walk through the crowd, interview people about whatever, and we're there, and sure enough, the crowd swells up. We head into the middle of it, and it kind of takes a little while to get a groove, but I do, and the next thing, I'm, I'm walking in the street, which is cordoned off by the cops from the crowd, but I bet... <laughs> I guess because I had a cameraman uh, following me with a very bright light that people were acting like uh, they were on real TV. <laughs> and at the same time, I was like some real, I don't know, reporter or something. But it was funny. So this guy, Joey, that I, I worked with at the time, sort of a confidant in my plans of what I, I wanted to do, he was like a super creative guy and says to me, you need a stage name. And also you need, uh, I forget what you call it, but one of those microphone rap things uh, where they tell you, you know, what channel it is. After a short discussion, I decided my nickname was going to be P. Fitty, which my friend KB had uh, blessed me with once upon a time. Of course, after that, it only meant se <laughs> made sense that uh, our channel would be entitled Fitio. There I was, P. Fitty on behalf of Fidio, uh, working the crowd, 
at the crossroads of the world. <laughs> it was an unbelievable night. It was an overall success. And thanks to Perry's editing skills, it made for what I felt was a funny, in-depth look at the TRL finale from a ground perspective. Mission accomplished. I had uh, satisfied the urge and was content to going back to being Paul Fitzgerald once again. Here we are with the faithful, the people on the street, the ones keeping it real, that don't get to go warm up in the studio. Hey, how you feeling tonight, MTV? However, the following year, the, they had brought the MTV Awards back to New York City from L.A., and they were going to hold them over at Radio City. So while I, in my mind, retired from the world of MTV reporting, I thought, this could be sort of another cool opportunity to work the crowd at the same time, I was like, I don't know if I want to go down this road again. And then it hit me. What if I brought you, Aiden, and gave you an opportunity to showcase your skills on the street? You were uh, 12 years old. At the time, I sort of kind of remember when I told you about it. And you're like, sure, I'll join you. Unfortunately, Perry wasn't available for this one, so we found another guy who joined uh, Aiden and I, nor did we have any other help. Made our way over to Rockefeller Center, Radio City Music Area. The place is freaking packed. Well, Aiden, as you remember, and actually I'd be curious to hear your recollection of, <laughs> of how this all went, but well, made our way through the crowd. Uh, I kind of began doing my thing, and once again, we were able to kind of freely walk out into the street out of the crowd while hundreds of people are, are watching us from behind the, 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 the crowd control barriers. And then at one point, after walking around, talking to people and doing the thing, we found ourselves right at the corner, which was cordoned off, and there was the red carpet. So as we're standing there, I'm thinking, how do I get on the red carpet? <laughs> and I, I hand the microphone over to you because thinking maybe that's an easier an easier way to go. Yeah, that's better, that's better. I like it this way. Work it, make it, do it. Makes it harder, better, faster, stronger. MTV VMA Awards 2009. We got Britney, we got Beyonce, we got Lady Gaga, we got Asher Ross, we got Dree, O-H, Dree, exclamation mark, Dree. I think that's how it goes. And so many good stars. Shortly thereafter, there's a cop that's posted up there and me and him make eye contact in kind of like a very cool cop way. He, he winks at me and kind of gives me this nod, which what I interpreted as a nonverbal go ahead to Aiden. We, we got Aiden under the, the barrier. <laughs> and uh, I tell Aiden with a little nudge, it's, it's, it's time for him to get on the right carpet. So like a true professional, he proceeds to start interviewing uh, various people that are kind of lingering uh, on the red carpet and then the celebrities start to flow through some of the members was the guy Sway right from MTV and then John Leguizamo and then uh, of course Taylor Swift and excuse me 
Dan, that, that war spill, right? You had a, a more in-depth conversation with her if her dress hadn't gotten wet. But meanwhile, after the fact, if you remember, that was the one where Kanye crashed Taylor's, I guess, award speech. Uh, after that, we went off to the side, if you remember, and we sort of did this little improv of like me or you, me turning, you turning into me so we could sort of create this moment for the editing phase. And as we're finishing it up, we hear the noise coming from 6th Avenue and we kind of, uh, we hustle up over there and there's Taylor Swift outside performing on the taxi and we're like, and it's just, I don't know, it's like mayhem, but it's like a control mayhem. And so as her, fin as her performance is, is winding down, you get up on the taxi and you start interviewing some lady. And I'm, I'm, I'm standing there in stitches like, is this really happening? Oh, my gosh. It, it, was, it was a night to remember. And I can say for sure, closed out by on the street interview MTV guy whatever I was but Aiden I'm glad we uh, we got to share the mic on that one night alright onward talk to you soon ciao so I am now as I'm talking to you I left Denver I'm going through New Mexico and now it's getting dark. So at one point, I'm going to actually transition into Texas. I don't know if I've done that yet. I just follow my GPS blindly. I'm going to get to a place called Amarillo, Texas, uh, which is sort of the midway point between here and Austin, which is my destination, uh, my real next destination where I want to hang out. And I think I'll, I'll spend all of, all of a night sleeping in Amarillo and head out according to Aunt Meg's information. And I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I, I talk to Meg every couple days, and she like helps me plan this whole thing out and does some research for me, and, and then it's so cool to talk to, you know how she is, right? And it's like she's uh, she's like my co-pilot, and I know it's making her happy, it's obviously keeping her busy doing things, but more importantly, it's, it's allowing me to maximize my proximity to things that I might not go see or whatever, whatever, and that's that's kind of awesome. I, I guess, yeah, I'm gonna sign off now. I've been talking way too much. And by the way, like when you do get to Texas, everything becomes flat. And so I am now, it's, the sun has set as I was driving. I caught it, but it's a different look now. Instead of having mountains that are behind the sun or in front of, so now it's flat land. So the whole sky, you know what it looks like when you show the planes and the sky gets orange, blue, but it's like 360 and just very cool. Very, very, very cool. All right, guys. Well, I will talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you think when, I'm in, when I'm in Texas. Love you. I think about you guys every day. I really do. And as I've said before, super proud of you. Like, we gotta, we gotta do some more traveling. And actually, I want to get grandma out there too. Life is too short. You know, a couple things I wanted to add about Denver. <laughs> I went to see 
Red Rocks uh, Amphitheater, which I told you about earlier. And when I was driving back to the hotel, I put into my GPS for some restaurant. And so this restaurant came up, P.F. Chang's, which is Chinese food. So as I drive into the little town, the GPS tells me, like, when I make the next left, the restaurant's going to be right there. So I see a parking space. So I, I pull into the parking space, and I check the signs, all is well. And I walk a half block up and a half block to the left, and I'm there, right? So I have my dinner, all good, and I leave. So I come out. I do the reverse, half block, half block. I don't see the car. And I'm like, what? And it's not, I'm like, and I'm looking. Because I remember when I got out of the car, there was like these two bars, like right there. And I said to myself, oh, do I want to have a drink before I go get dinner? And I'm like, no, that's stupid. I'll just go right to dinner. So I'm standing and I'm like, I cannot believe my car has been stolen. Or Nora's car has been stolen. <laughs> As I sit here and puff, I'm like, shoot, I, I'm gonna have to call the cops. I reach out, I don't call 911, obviously, and uh, I finally get in touch with, I guess, the dispatcher, and he tells me, yeah, the police will be there later. Well, the, the police will come by and they'll talk to you and all that. I said, all right. So I stand and I start to wait. I look at my phone, and I got 1% on my phone. So I'm like, shh. So I go into the bar there, and I talk to this guy, I tell him my plight. He's very cool. He's like, yeah, okay, I'll charge it up. I said, all right, I'm going to wait outside for the cops. He's like, okay. Maybe 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, the, the cops show up. He's this kind of big, tall, older cop guy and then uh, a smaller female officer. So they asked me what happened. I basically tell them my thing. And so first off, they couldn't have been nicer. They were like really cool. And so the, the, the guy saying to me, he's like, you sure you parked here? I'm like, dude, I'm so, like, I literally walked a half block and then a half block. He's like, all right, I've been doing this for 13 years and I've heard crazier. He goes, tell you what, let's just take a, a drive, a little drive around. I'm like, all right. So I said, you know what, I phone charged in there. They're like, all right, well, obviously we'll come back. I said, okay, cool. So I get in the back of the cop car and we start to drive. And we drive like, I don't know, like in a circle, basically two blocks. And all of a sudden the cops like, there it is. I'm like, what? And so, oh my God, I was so mortified, embarrassed, but actually freaking happy at the same time, right? Got the car. But so what I had done, I, I did do that left, left thing or, you know, half block, half block, but it was like on the other side. And so I guess I just kind of got mixed up coming out of the restaurant. Oh my God, I was... Oh, so mortified. But they were super cool about it. And so, so as, we're, as we're saying goodbye, they're like, well, don't forget to get your phone at the bar. I said, oh, yeah, uh, I'll, maybe I'll just walk over there. And they're like, yeah. And so as I'm getting ready to leave them, the, the, the female officer reaches into her jacket and pulls out a little notepad, and she writes the address down of, like, where the car is, and she gives it to me. <laughs> So I'd make it back after I went to the bar. Oh my God, I was, uh, all right. Well, um, I was humbled and, and I, you know what the thing is, I usually take pictures of the corner or wherever I park because as I park a thousand different places, you do lose track. But for this night, it was like, what could go wrong? A half block, half block, right? All right, well, uh, currently I am actually driving from Amarillo Texas to uh, Fredericksburg, Texas, which is a nice little town Aunt Meg recommended. It only leaves me an outside, an hour outside of Austin, which is my 
my destination because uh, I, I think there's going to be some good times there. But other than that, last night I, gave, I pulled into Amarillo about 9 p.m. staying at the courtyard there, and I'm starving. So I there's literally like this, it looks like a bar across the street. So I walk over, and you never know what's open and what's not during these COVID times and everything. So as I walk across, there's a woman standing in front of the door. She's like bouncer slash security, whatever. And she asked me for my ID and she lets me in. By the way, she's not wearing a mask. I go inside and the music's thumping and it is like, it's like a club, but there's only like five, I don't know, 10 people scattered around this big area. Nobody's wearing a mask. It was like, these guys were in a different planet. <laughs> I just, I don't know, blew my mind. So, whatever, I didn't hang out there long. It was just way creepy. And then, yeah, here I am, making my way through Texas. I just had a conference call with work. There are updates of whether I'm gonna be working or getting anything. We're not too optimistic, but I'm okay. It is what it is, so I'm gonna to continue to uh, treat this time as a gift and see uh, these United States of America and all that it is. All right, love, love, love. Uh, I'll talk to you guys later, bye. Uh, just saw a sign that said, correctional facility in the area. Do not pick up hitchhikers, no problem. The other fun little game to play while you're on the road is to identify the carcass. I swear I cannot tell you how many carcasses I've seen in my travels. And some are an easy deer, others, I don't know, could be a dog, could be, I don't know. Anyway, just thought I'd pass that on the Music in this episode is courtesy of Epidemic Sound and Blue Dot Sessions. A special thanks goes out to Real Love Diplomats for providing the soundtrack to Don't Call It a Memoir. <laughs>